0: I'm Robin Linden, and this is Eat the Rind, a podcast devoted to the world of artisan cheese and the things that go with it. Learn more online at eattherind.tumblr.com. For most people in the UK, Peckham in South London is famous for being the home of Del Boy and Rodney. What Peckham is not famous for, however, is handmade cheese. Never mind handmade Mexican-style cheese. But when Kristen Schnepp decided to leave her high-powered job to make cheese, leaving the big city just wasn't an option. So she chose instead to bring the pastoral life to London by making cheese on an industrial estate. She's not the only person making cheese in London. William Oglethorpe has been making cheese for a few years just down the road in Bermondsey. And Philip Wilton has been making cheese for almost a year in Tottenham, North London. But Kristen is the first person in London to make Mexican-style cheese. When we met, I was really keen to hear just how this project started. Your type of cheese and what you're doing is unlike anything that I've interviewed. You know, oh, cool. Unlike anything before. So, for, you know, first of all, obviously... The fact that you're doing it in London you know I haven't interviewed anybody who's doing it in London yet I hope to Um, (laughs) and certainly your style of cheese is very different than anything else Um, so that's actually the first thing I wanted to ask you so how did you decide on a a traditionally Mexican style cheese so I mean the flip answer I like to give is no one needed another
1: cheddar very good point you know and so uh, there's some cheese I really love like the soft French style cheeses and I've really thought oh you know I could do something like that but I feel like Somerset and the West Country had really developed that, you know, that is the terroir for U- UK soft cheese. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, I, why try to bring something else there? Why try to be an also ran? And so I was like, you know, can I do something different? And it just popped into my head that this would really be a good opportunity. And the reason it popped into my head is when we moved here about five years ago. Um, We had thought about opening a Mexican restaurant. You know, it's it's the classic expat complaint about there's no Mexican food, blah, 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 blah. But in the last five years, that has just really changed. I mean, even as opposed to more than 20 years ago when I was a student here, you know, nothing was really going on. It was all the Tex-Mex, blah, blah, blah. But in this past period of time, not only are there better restaurants, there's also an increase in the supply chain. And so it was clear to me that restaurants were going to want more, consumers were going to want more, and they were no longer going to be satisfied with the substitutes that they could get. And so I'm like, and I also had heard through the grapevine that there were a couple of chefs that had reached out to some cheesemakers to try to get them to make panella or whatever, but none. Oh, that's of, interesting. Yeah, but none of the cheesemakers here had any. any you know connection with the, the food and a lot of the chefs don't they don't how to make the cheese and so there there was just a mismatch and so i said this to me sounds like a market opportunity so that's why I, I chose to make this kind of cheese and you could get a lot you could you could use substitution with other spices that came from india or whatever but you just couldn't get the products and so now with Mex grocer and Mex trader you know, we have real supply chains and they're they're bringing real products in but with cheese that becomes very difficult because it's very difficult to move cheese across borders
0: anyway, right? Never mind a super fresh cheese.
1: Yeah, so Mexico exports less than 3% of its cheese, period. And 99% of that goes to the United States, you know, just kind of, that's just the way it is. And to bring that into the UK would be a nightmare for the importer and the importee, right? Mm. the, the the hoops to go across that and then you take the factor of freshness it just it's just not viable there were some people bringing in some frozen product but again that's not economically sustainable so it feels like dairy well dairy needs to be produced in the, in the country or the region it's going to be consumed
0: yeah that makes total sense yeah. so you you spoke to some chefs what other kind of hard figure did you work out that there was actually going to be a market? Mm.
1: So before I became a cheesemaker, that's what I did. (laughs) So um, I did marketing and strategy and business development in the corporate world. And I ran um, consumer strategy for lending it at uh, Lloyds Bank. And then I've always done this type of thing. And so I treated myself like I treat a client is um, I said, there's an opportunity here. I went off to the business and IP library at the, the British Library, mm-hmm. uh, where I do do a lot of my, you know, independent research and said, you know, can I validate that there's an, a market here and that there's need? And so the first thing I did was say, you know, is there an emergence of supply chain? Second, is there, is there the appropriate, is there demand? And so, you know, finding that there were you know 80 Mexican restaurants within the M25, which was a zillion fold increase from previous. You know, saw a Mintel report that, you know, uh, Mexican is on the rise. And you could also understand that it was gonna be popular because with the decline of the economy, the mid ticket restaurant is really gonna take off. That and it's gonna have sense. a hegemony across, you know, 10 years. And so, and people want something that's different. Um, they're also like, cause, oh, I'm not gonna buy something I can make at home. You know, but I'm also not gonna go out and spend a packet. And so that mid ticket restaurant, which is where Asian and Mexican primarily reside, have an opportunity economically.
0: So so I don't have that much money, so I'm definitely going to make food at home that I can. I'm not going to spend money out on that. Yes. And I'm also not going to go to a three-star Michelin restaurant. Can't afford it. I, I can't afford it, but yep. I do still want to eat out.
1: And do something creative mm-hmm. and be interesting. So that so to me it said, aha, that it's really finally, finally
0: time. So what is was your experience with Mexican food prior to this?
1: Uh, well, I, I'd always been around it. So I mean, I grew up in Illinois, but I spent my you know
0: uh,
1: child later childhood and teen years in a community in the Central Valley in California, which is dominantly Mexican, and so it was surrounding me the entire time. And I had told, someone had asked me the first time I had made Mexican food, and it was uh, my neighbor. Uh, her abuela so her grandmother taught me how to make refried beans oh god amazing you know and then go shopping with them and i would eat dinner with them and you know most of my friends were of you know first generation or second generation you know mexican descent and so you know i had that child's version of the food in terms of what you had in your lunch Mm. as well as what you were making at home
0: and so yeah i often feel like um for us americans mexican is our Indian food it is. it's our friends and our what we went out to eat and the yeah. sort of ethnic food that we would have had that yeah. becomes part of the culture that we've adopted in the yeah. same way that British have adopted the, Indian. the curry and absolutely tikka masala and whatever.
1: yeah no I agree with that um, th- there is a huge affinity particularly you know in the border states and in the West that you know we see this as, as our cuisine mm. and so it is interesting right mm. because you think about the burrito which is not Mexican, exactly. you know? It's very California, it's very mm-hmm. Texas, and so, or Monterey Jack cheese, which is mm-hmm. very American and not Mexican. Exactly. And so I try to, you know, as an American, hold that. You know, I'm not, Mex- I'm not Mexican, I'm not mm-hmm. from Mexico. Um, and so I'm borrowing from another culture, right? And, and I'm passionate about it, but I'm trying to be clear about what's Mexican and then what also comes from America in terms of bringing that cuisine to life
0: yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I haven't spent any time in Mexico uh-huh. unless you count the um, afternoon that I spent in Tijuana. Yeah. which probably doesn't count. Yeah. Um, but my understanding is that Americans are shocked when they go and absolutely. they don't recognize
1: the food. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens a lot. And so Mexican cuisine is really, really regional and it's so interesting. And so when you get into some of the states, they're like, like Italy, the cuisine is mm. really traditional. Like in the Yucatan, that is kind of... Pre-Hispanic, very traditional cuisine, and that's what's served. You know, in other areas it's it's there's a lot more creativity. You know, there's different moles, there's different everything depending on the regions. And the cuisine is very sophisticated. And I think that's one of the things that I would like to see more of Mm. in
0: both the United States and in Britain is that sophistication. So I'm interested to know when you've approached people to try to sell or suppliers to try to sell Mexican-style cheese. Have you been concerned that you don't have a background Mm -hmm. that's from that country, or do you feel that, well, I'm American, so I certainly have more credibility than a British person would?
1: You know, when I I first started about starting the business and doing the full exploration, I put it down as one of the top risks. You know, will I be taken seriously? Will I be seen as an interloper? Is this appropriate? Mm. And... um, After chatting with people, that that fear was laid to rest by others. You know, saying, you know, look, you're passionate about the cuisine, you're passionate about the cheese, you know, other people aren't doing this, you're clearly trying to do things right in an authentic way, you know, just go for it. There's tons of chefs out there that are masters of cuisines that, that is not their yeah. ethnic origin and so for me I just had to kind of get over it yeah. um which is also kind of why the name where the name came from is to really walk into it straight up so you know gringa yeah absolutely you know be so people like, say so what's gringa so being that feminine form of gringo and kind of making fun of myself it has purchased some goodwill with people because I'm not I'm clearly not trying to be something that I'm not so you weren't trying to change your name to... <laughs> yeah. Hello, my name is Carmen. Consuela. Yeah, exactly. Or, or to say that, you know, I, I am some, you know, I lived in Mexico for 20 years. I haven't, yeah. you know. Have you spent much time there? You know, I've spent some, you know, I've spent quite a bit, um,
0: and I'd like to spend more. Yeah. So. It's such an enormous country. That's the other thing I think people underestimate is how absolutely enormous it is. It's an enormous country,
1: and there's so many places to go and so much food to eat, and so... And as
0: you say, which region do you go? Because yeah. if you're in that region, you're only going to eat that region's food. Yeah,
1: it is. And so you kind of do it on a region by region basis. Like, I'm going here, I'm going there. You know, I'm really exploring
0: the cuisine. And have, do you know if there's certain areas that are more dairy based, that use more of the cheeses? You know, there's dairy in every region, you know, and
1: I think unlike Indian cuisine, which which kind of relies on, on the basic yogurt and the basic paneer, even though there's slice variations in the paneer, you know, it is kind of a, a low, it's a low dairy country for good reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexico isn't. It's a high dairy country. Um, with there's there's sheep, there's goat, there's cow, but you know, there it's a high dairy country. So every region has cheese. They're all different. Right. And it's a, it's an artisan culture, you know. The the queso fresco is the quintessential bathtub cheese, you know. It, yeah, there's, making a, it at home. there's a zillion different versions of it. Um, but it is in every region, at least as far as I know, I don't know of one that doesn't produce any dairy.
0: So tell me about how you learned well tell me first your journey to making cheese (laughs) everyone has one it's always a good story (laughs) yes
1: it was one of those things and so um i spent a very long time in the corporate world and i had been complaining for years that i wanted to do something different Uh, and my dad was a gourmet food broker in san francisco and i had worked with him and i got this fantasy about oh i i i want to you know care for cheese age cheese you know do something with cheese uh, and that just never really came about during that period of time and then one day i just kind of woke up and i'm gonna go i really want to make cheese uh, you know it, was, it just kind of happened spontaneously had you seen it made or did you know
0: how it was made you
1: know, no at that time no i just had an i just had an inkling that this is what i wanted to do and which is so funny because that's not kind of my style i don't wake up and say I want to learn how to play the banjo, you know, just so when it came to me as something I wanted to learn how to do, it was rather shocking. And so I felt like I had to go explore it because I'm not someone who usually comes up with these crazy ideas. And so I went and took a cheese class down at High Wheel Dairy. And I was, you know, I really liked this. And I had the idea popping around the back of my head about the Mexican cheese and then I went and took some more classes. I went and talked to a bunch of people. I'd been making cheese at home, you know, it was very much self-taught. So finding blogs with recipes, you know, just really doing all the self-taught thing and just decided to go for it. And so, but the way that it really changed and, and the, the pivotal moment was uh, my partner said to me, I want a business plan for my birthday. It's like, okay, because you know, you can complain about anything and say, I really want to, do X, Y, and Z, but, you know, you could just go on and on and on and on, and so, uh, that's what really made wow. the difference.
0: That's yeah.
1: Great. So it was, and you know, I'm 44. I spent a lot of time doing something that I was good at, but I had ceased to love, and so it was then just time to do something that, that was for me, that I really want to do.
0: So this is full-time then? You do this This full-time. is it,
1: yes. I guess I come from from the marketing background. It's kind of like, you know, go big or don't bother. Yeah. You know, so (laughs) to make a go at it, A, because of the opportunity in the marketplace. Someone else is going to come along, you know. Um, B, just because of the demand of time. You know, it's it's a full-time thing to make Mm. cheese. And also, just because of what I want to learn about myself. Sure, at first I was saying, oh, I'll consult on the side because, you know, that brings in a lot of money and then I'll make cheese. Well... To me, that wasn't going to give me the learning opportunity I wanted to have about myself, Mm -hmm. which is a huge driver of this business. And it also takes away some of... It it, it keeps you in a comfort zone that is not going to allow one to explore their full potential, I think. So I had to really jump
0: off the deep end. And I suppose you also wouldn't be focused as much as you are if it's just the only thing you're doing. Yeah,
1: and when when you're doing the type of thing that I do, the type of consulting, it's really demanding. And so I saw this would get shunt aside and with going out there and and selling to customers and collaborating with chefs and you know building awareness about these types of products it's not a it's it's a three persons full-time job definitely yeah yeah I can imagine it must take it's a lot of work I haven't worked this hard in a really long time it's very satisfying and it's also very tiring because making cheese is also very physical Mm. you know and I'm not very tall and dealing with the milk Dealing with the process of making cheese, and one of the things that was one of the first things that I had to make sure that I was going to be comfortable with is, you know, in, in strategy and whatever, you can decide to be done. The presentation can be done. You know, there, there's no process in cheese. There's a process. There's no skipping. There's no cheating. There's no shaving. It's you do the same thing over and over again. Or the acidification not the same thing.
0: happens when the acidification happens, and
1: that's just the way it is. So there's no I'm done. So. Where do you get your milk?
0: Yeah, we're, we're in a, an enormous city. That <laughs> there are some city farms that have a few cows, but I suspect that's not where you're getting your milk.
1: No, it's not. So uh, that was one of the first big challenges that I thought was gonna actually crater the idea because to be a small producer, no one really has the time and intention to sell to you because all the dairy farmers are contracted to the big suppliers. So uh, eventually through a lot of calling around, and getting to know people and a lot of begging, I'm gonna say, um, OMSCO, so the Organic Milk Collective or the company, whatever, um, allowed me to purchase from Common Work Organic Farm in Kent. So it's a it's a fantastic organic herd, about 250 cow, cows strong, so you know it's a big herd. Uh, lovely organic milk. And uh, I purchased directly from them. So I'm really happy. So I drive down to Seven Oaks in the van and pick up the milk from the morning milking. And so I leave here at four o'clock. How
0: often do you do that? Twice a week. Twice a week. So do you, do you make twice a week? Yeah, yeah. Did you always know you were going to stay in London to make cheese? Did you ever think about?
1: yeah i really want to live in the country that was that was the rochambeau i lost with my partner who is it was urban by nature and so it was the okay well it doesn't really make sense for us to live in the country right now and also when you think about it for farmers who are making cheese distribution is really challenging for them mm. you know and so actually when i thought it through it's easier to move the milk and to have distribution from London than it is to produce in the country and then distribute from the country. Because either you're working with a distributor, which doesn't give you the access that you need, you know, or, or, or. or. And I knew this was going to be an intensely personal sale, because you're selling into the, the Mexican community, but more important, you're also selling into the London community. You're sell- yeah. you know, And so it was going to be a lot of face time. That just wasn't going to happen in the country. But I'm still holding out for my cottage. I would like it to be in Somerset.
0: <laughs> You've already got it planned where <laughs> I, it's going to be. Fully planned. It is beautiful there. I love it there. So you always knew you were going to make cheese in London. Did you end up going to one of those egg schools or anywhere to learn to make cheese? You know, there were some opportunities around that, that you could do some,
1: some production, and it just, nothing really felt exactly right until um, I found a class up at the School of Artisan Food with... Yvonne Lasher doing uh, a professional cheese fundamentals class, and so that's really what set me on my way. And so, months before the class, like eight months before the class, um, Leanna Rennie up at the school sent me the reading list. So you know, so there's a lot of self-taught in there that's in terms good. of really getting into the textbooks and understanding the, the, the science, chemistry, the chemistry yeah. around it, and then working with someone like Yvonne, who is such an expert. Uh, to get my arms around the art and the science, because you know cheese making is—you can't you can't make cheese by the clock. Um, you now I need to say that with a French accent, but you know, <laughs> it's milk is a living ingredient, and but it also has to be precise. And so finding that line is something that is requires a lot of understanding of the chemistry. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's one of the many reasons why I know I could not make cheese. <laughs>
1: Sure you could. That's why I
0: haven't woken up with the epiphany that you <laughs> woke up with.
1: I must make cheese. It is more detailed than my nature is, mm. you know. Um, I, 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 I'm much more impulsive, you know. This, the, the science bent is, is not my, my primary nature, and so that's been a learning process for Meticulous me. Meticulous
0: makesheets and yes. all of that, taking really good notes about everything you do.
1: Exactly, and so my makesheets are three pages long. They have incredible levels of notes. And uh, it's been a good learning process for me, rather than saying, eh, throw it in, it'll be fine. (laughs) So what have been the reactions so far? You know, there's been a lot of really positive reactions to the cheese. And it's been interesting because, um, you know, the primary markets are expat Americans and the expat Mexican community. And then also the growing number of people who are interested in Mexico, you know, because Mexico right now is hip. And so so there's one is an education. So when you think about the kind of, mostly younger uh, Britons that are interested in Mexican food that's much more education and they're really enjoying kind of understanding how to use the cheese you know how it work how it tastes how it works for expats are just grateful this woman came up and she just gave me a hug and she, thank you thank you thank you <laughs> you know because it's an ingredient they just haven't been able to get their hands on and so so I've been having really great reactions to it and getting good feedback and from, you know, people in the Mexican community saying, you know, I thought someone Mexican made this cheese. oh, And so that to me is just, great. you know, so, so, so happy when that happens. and It's not just once, it's not just twice, you know, it's yeah. many times. And so I just get giddy with
0: excitement that, you know, I'm, I'm doing it right. Well, I was just wondering about that, if you've had a chance to, to taste it out with people who might not be familiar with the cheese on its yeah. own, as opposed to in a restaurant, in a recipe. Have yeah. you had did you have a chance to do that? I have. You know, I did a
1: tasting event at uh, Amethyst, which is, it was for Cinco de Mayo. They're a, a, they are, they sell booze. It's a liquor store, and they have the most mezcal, I think, in the UK, by the way. It's really good. Uh, so I did tasting there, and people were just tasting the cheese, and tons of people who had no knowledge of Mexican cheese and whatever. They loved it. And so... The people who are along my railway arch, you know, they're like, I want I want cheese. And so they're all, you know, so I've been giving cheese to a lot of people who have no concept about Mexican food. They're like, oh, I really
0: like it. Yeah, that was why I was just wondering if people could understand the cheese. Because, yeah. you know, it's quite spongy and springy, and it isn't what necessarily a lot of British people think of when they think
1: of cheese. Exactly. And so they think it's just a little bit different. Mm. And so when you tell them you can use it. Like feta, but it's not as salty. When you say you know you can cook it at a high heat like halloumi, but it also melts better if it's covered. You know, when you give them kind of those ideas and they can kind of go, okay, then they're willing to try it. But the first thing everyone says is, oh, you make Mexican cheese. Does it have chilies in it? <laughs> it's like, no, no, it has no chilies in it. And I say, it's about calming the heat. So the cheese serves a function of calming the heat in, in spicier dishes and so, like
0: yogurt yeah. yeah
1: and they're like okay that makes sense yeah. so uh, people are, are kind of into it
0: yeah have you thought that you might about making another cheese at some point or do you think <sighs> yes and it's so
1: um, in development uh, right now is making Oaxaca everybody wants Oaxaca so um, it's basically Mexican mozzarella uh, and it's pulled by hand and rolled in a ball and the the way it's different than mozzarella is it just has a armier taste. It's, it's a stronger mozzarella. And the funny thing is, is everybody wants it, and it's a really high-labor cheese. So even more expensive. It's, yeah, and it's just like, oh, really, you guys? Come on. <laughs> so a really high-labor cheese, but it's incredibly artisan, and it's a beautiful cheese, and so I'm very excited about making it. And then after that, I'm hoping to introduce Chihuahua, which was, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a place in Mexico, but it was it was actually brought to them by the Mennonites. Go figure. And um, it's also a high-melting cheese, but it's less high-labor to produce. And so those are kind of the three cheeses that I'm going to make right now. Um, and I was going to make ricotta, which is basically Mexican ricotta, but I'm giving my way to a project in one of the city farms uh, about feeding their pigs. Oh, and great. so I'm really excited about the social justice aspect of folks using the way. Right now I'm setting it off for compost. But to have it go into feed in a city farm to grow pigs, and
0: I'm really excited about that. So I'm not going to make racers <laughs> on. But that's great because I think for a lot of people, it's really difficult to work out what to do with their way, especially even more obviously difficult in an urban setting. It's huge problem. It's a huge problem because you don't want it to be waste
1: because you know I think that cheese requires a lot of energy to produce. You know, in terms of how much the byproduct of milk and blah, blah 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 and so I'm trying to do it in the most sustainable way possible
0: Kristen's enthusiasm for making cheese in the most urban setting possible is infectious luckily the cheese stands up to that enthusiasm I've tried it a few times now and it is delicious be sure and follow her on twitter at that way you can find out where to try it for yourself and when you do don't just think of it as a cheese to cook with really is good on its own as a snack and the last time I spoke with Kristen she was experimenting with chihuahua cheese I'm hoping she lets me be a guinea pig while she perfects it